0: So this morning, I, I, I've really been thinking about leading up to, to doing this this morning and, and gets preaching on and you know, talking about Acts chapter 6 through Acts chapter 8. Um, we're going to be kind of getting into a passage of Scripture that I've never actually had the honor of going through as far as in teaching it. Um, I've read it before. Um, I've looked over it in multiple occasions with Bible study and things like that. But to go over it in this context is the first time that I'll have done it. So I'm excited about it and also nervous. Um, I was telling Taylor, I was like, you know, uh, this is going to be kind of a hard one to do. And I told James the same thing. I feel like this is going to be an interesting one to go through, but I'm, I'm looking forward to what God's going to teach me and teach us through it this morning. Um, if I had to put um, a title or a focus on what we'll be going through, it's being bold in our faith. Even in persecution, Um, this is something that I think if we're being honest in America, we don't really have to worry about that a whole lot right now um, or in the past. You know, when we talk about being Christians in America, it's actually pretty, I would say, easy on us as believers because a lot of times we go through the emotions of our faith. We go to church. We talk to people that also believe about Christ that are in our circle. Um, sometimes we go to events, uh, and we have opportunities to witness, and sometimes we do ministry, and we're out in the public, and we talk to people that don't believe in Christ. But in the Bible Belt, a lot of times we, we take that for granted, and, and a lot of times we wind up missing a lot of ministry opportunities. And Because I think, and this is something I'm speaking to that's been in my life before, and, and this is something that I struggle with too, is being too comfortable in our faith. Um, I think it's very easy to do when we grow up around people that love the Lord or go to church and um, we go to VBS as kids or we, you know, we talk to people that have like-minded thoughts that we have. There's not a lot of opposition to our thinking. And so when we look at what we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be talking about Stephen, who was bold in his faith to the point of death. Um, now, will any of us in this room really ever come to a point where we're going to possibly be put to death for our faith? You know, with the way things are going in the world, I can't say I can say what will or won't happen. But I believe in, 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 as far as it stands in America right now, a lot of us can say we probably don't face that type of persecution in our faith on a day-to-day basis. But what we want to talk about today is the point of being willing to put our faith in God to the point of being bold enough to go to that extent if it had to be done. Um, and a lot of us, I think, when we start talking about being willing to, to die for our faith, I mean, we don't want to admit it, but that might start making us sweat a little bit. Um, I know when we start thinking about that, I think I have a, I have a baby at home. I have a 10-month-old. I have Allison. I have my wife. I love my wife. And to leave this world and to leave them behind would, would upset me. Just the thought of it upsets me. I was talking to um, me and Taylor. We were talking about, <clears throat> it was a few, a few years ago, Taylor had just gotten her, uh, our, we had just gotten her SUV, and we were in, in Logan's Roadhouse, of all places, having a heart-to-heart about what it would be like if one of us died and being separated from each other and talking about what would heaven be like in our relationship in heaven things like that like things about that I love Taylor to the point of like it really upsets me when I think of like separation but the fact that each of us are called individually in Matthew chapter 28 to go to the ends of the earth and to spread the gospel and Stephen we're going to see that he was willing to go to the ends of the earth to the ends of his to the ends of his means to put it all on the line for the gospel so I just before we get any further in talking about it, I just want us to read through the Scripture together. There's actually, it's broken up, so you're going to just be, um just going to have to bear with me a little bit as you're following along, but it's going to be starting in Acts chapter 6, starting um, in verse 8, and it's going to go all the way through Acts chapter 8, verse 3, and we're going to skip a big chunk in Acts chapter 7. So if you would, just read with me. We're going to be uh, reading, starting in verse 8 of chapter 6. If y'all would stand for the reading of God's Word, and then we will... Um, get started. In verse eight, it says, "And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the Freedman, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and those from Sicily and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen." But they could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit in which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceased to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him... All who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And skipping over in chapter 7 to verse 54, so you're going to take a little jump to the stoning of Stephen. So in verse 54, chapter 7, it says, Now when they had... Heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full, with the full of the Holy Spirit, gazed in heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, "Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God." But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, as they were stoning Stephen. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, and falling to his knees he cried out with a loud voice, Lord do not hold this this sin against them and when he had said this he fell asleep. And in verse one of Chapter 8, it says, And Saul approved of his execution. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and there were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He, was, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you so much for another wonderful day that we can sit under your word, Father. And I know that I'm imperfect, and I know that there's a lot of things that I may miss in this. So I pray that as we're listening this morning, that you would unpack everything that you would want us to hear, that we hear everything that you'd have us to learn from the scripture this morning. Lord, it's in your holy impression. precious name. I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So y'all may be seated. All right, so, so the persecution of Stephen is our focus of the scripture that we're looking at today. As, you, as we can see, as we've read through these scriptures together Stephen has entered in, he's talking, he's preaching at the synagogue, he's at the, the Temple of the Freed Man, which we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm not going to go in super big detail on that because there's a lot to unpack, but I will talk about what, all the, those things in just a minute. But he was preaching to people that were Greek-speaking Jews. So when we're talking in verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Now, one thing that we, we notice back, I got a chance to speak on the qualification of deacons a few Sundays ago. And in that passage, we see that seven people were elected to become deacons of the first church, the first seven deacons that were ever entered into the church, that were going to be part of the widow's ministry and to take some of the load off of the apostles and the disciples so that they can do their preaching and prayer ministry. Now Stephen was the first of the seven that was named of the deacons that were brought forth to be part of that ministry. But now we see in chapter 6, Stephen is doing preaching ministry he is teaching and preaching which may lead us to believe that not only did he take a part in that widowing ministry but he also had a passion and had a desire and had opportunities to preach the gospel too. so he, not only was he doing the things that he was called to do with the, the seven that were chosen but he was also preaching and teaching and he was sharing his faith as all believers should do so he's here in the synagogue um, of the freed man and he's talking to these people. And it says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So he was full of grace and power. So another thing that I was I was reading, preparing, Stephen was one of the only other people other than the apostles and the disciples who was performing signs and was doing works. And so he was somebody else that through the Holy Spirit, not through his own works, not through his own power, but through the Holy Spirit, he was fulfilling the work of God. He was um, doing great wonders and signs, and making God's power known to the people through these things. So that's another thing we see. Kind of like the apostles, they were doing signs and wonders and, and and performing things. And Stephen was able to also do some of these things because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was in him, not because of his own self. And in verse nine, it says, "Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedman, as it was called." So when we talk about the synagogue of the freedman. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit from some commentary I have in my Bible. It says, Those to whom Stephen preached were dis, were dyspore Jews, um, Greek speakers like himself, they may have been only only the synagogue of the freed man with the various names designating its constitution, constituency of those that may represent individual synagogues. The freedman would refer to Jews who had been enslaved and then granted freedom. The place names also pointed to the Sporia, which is the Cyrenians and Alexandrians and the Sicilian Asia which we're going to talk about them in just a second. But basically, when we talk about the synagogue of the free men, all it was saying is this was a specific temple where people who had, were Jews that would have been enslaved at one time and they were freed. These were Jews that were worshiping there at this temple. It was a group of believers that were there. Okay, So not only that, we also see that they were Greek speakers like Stephen. So Stephen was not a, a Jew that was Hebrew. He was Greek-speaking and he was a, came to the faith as a Greek-speaking um, believer um, so he wasn't one of the Hebrew believers so with that being said we continue on and it says of the freedmen as it was called and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and those from Sicilia and Asia and basically so the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians were people from an area of North Africa and then the people of Sicilia and Asia were from what would be now modern- day Turkey so these are this is a group a region that these people were from there's not any specific, tie to the specific areas, but this dysphoria that we speak about that I looked at when I was preparing, it is a region that these once enslaved Jews had come out of enslavement and are now free people and they're worshiping at the synagogue of the freedman. okay? So these are the people he was speaking to. Now they rose up and disputed in verse nine. They rose up and disputed with Stephen. So now we see that Stephen is there preaching and teaching. He's talking about truths of the, of the scripture and his truths truths of God's Word, and in that these people were listening and they did not agree with Stephen. So these are people that were religious people that were at this synagogue. They were worshiping. They were listening to his words, and they did not agree with something that Stephen said. So, But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So we see that no matter what they said to try to trip him up, that Stephen had something to say. And it wasn't because Stephen was some well-versed man. He wasn't a, a scribe. He wasn't somebody that was well-educated or anything of that nature. Stephen just was full of the Holy Spirit and God was giving him the words to say through the Spirit. He was being led to speak with that capacity which he was speaking. So one thing I want us to take a step back and if we're looking, as we're looking at what Stephen's doing, one thing we see that we have to have as believers is godly character. So when we are living out our faith, Something that comes from our faith, from being filled with the Spirit as we live for the Lord. Something that grows, something that we embody, bless you, is godly character. And why is that important? So when we talked about the, the requirements of overseers, the requirements of deacons, we talked about people that are taking up the mantle to spread the word of Christ. People that are taking up the mantle to lead in the church. There have to be certain qualities that we have. We have to be above reproach because if we're going to stand up and we're going to talk with people and say, this about Christ or that about Christ, we want to make sure that if we're teaching on something, we're trying to teach on something that is truth, we want to people to know that we are people that can stand behind that teaching. None of us are perfect, but we want to be people that as the Spirit fills us and as we're changed by the Spirit, God's qualities are seen in us. People see that we're people of that, that love were people that are not quick to anger and, and such. So one verse that we can go to is Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. These are some of the things, these characteristics that we embody when we are full of the Spirit. Now, are we going to be perfect in all these things? Am I going to be completely patient all the time? no. But as we grow and as the Spirit within us dwells and it grows us, we begin to become better at these things. These are things that become evident in our life if we're truly saved by the blood of Christ. The Holy Spirit will make these changes in our life as we go along. One of the coolest skits that I've ever seen. Have you ever, anybody ever heard of the skit guys? Y'all ever seen the videos, the skit guys? They do all these little funny, really corny um, videos. And they're just really goofy. But it's these two guys. And if you ever are curious and you've never seen them, go look up Skit Guys on YouTube. It's really funny. One of my favorite ones is the chisel. And so in that, he talks about how we are this statue being worked on. We're this, this piece of worksmanship by God. And we start as this stone, this rugged, ugly, jagged piece of rock. And God is slowly throughout our life, he's just chiseling away at the ugly parts. And just like the, the, the statue of David and, and some of the... If you think about awesome piece, pieces of art and, and and worksmanship, those were once jagged pieces of stone that were worked on and smoothed out, and they became those works of art. They weren't that at the beginning when their artist started on them. And, and God is the ultimate artist that is working on us. And as we're filled with the Spirit, as we live for the Lord, these fruits of the Spirit will become evident in our life He's going to chisel away the things that are ugly and the things that are good become more evident. Um, so Stephen definitely was somebody that was embodying a godly character because not only was he chosen to do the work of the seven for the first deacons, but he was also boldly out speaking his faith and was because of the spirit within him was undisputable in what he was saying. They couldn't say anything wrong. They may not have liked it, but they had nothing they could say that disputed what his, his words were. The next thing we need to have when we talk about um, sharing our faith, as Stephen was doing, is being bold. Um, How many times have we had a conversation with somebody, and we're having a conversation, we start to get in kind of a back and forth, and because we're uncomfortable, we back down from our stance. And we we know what we're talking about, but sometimes we get in a conversation with people, and we just start... You know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe you're right and I'm wrong and maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But when we believe something with all of our heart, we want to make sure that we cling to that. We don't shy away from it. We don't say, well, maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. We want to make sure that, like, if we say we believe in Christ, that died for our sins and He rose on the third day, and we put all of our faith in that, we want to hold to that. We don't want to waver from that. We don't want to say, well, maybe it's not true because as Christians, it's the complete foundation of our belief, right? It's the complete foundation of what we believe in is the truth of Christ. He lived, died, crucified, rose on the third day, and He's, he's living now. You know, what Jesus did on the cross laid, is a whole foundation. It's the whole cornerstone of what we believe as Christians. And Stephen believed this to the point that because of the Spirit in him, he was willing to continue to speak on this even when these people disputed or tried to dispute what he was saying. So not only do we need to be people that have godly character in our ministry, but we need to be people that are bold in our ministry. We need to speak boldly. We need to be bold. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7-8, and 8, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me of his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel that is the power of God. So, God gives us a spirit of boldness, not a spirit of trembling, not a spirit of fear. But when the Holy Spirit fills us up, He will give us the words to say. He will give us the backbone to move forward in our ministry. He gives us the ability to continue to march, even when we don't specifically know what to say. We may not be scholars of the Bible, we may not be somebody that's read through the entirety of the Bible. We may not. Have done a Greek study on the words of the Bible. But we've read the Bible, we believe it, we trust it. We need to speak up. We don't need to be afraid of what the gospel preaches. So in verse ten, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit of which he was speaking, and then secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came up upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against him, this holy place in the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw his face was that like the face of an angel. So they go from disputing what Stephen is saying to so all out saying, you know what, we're so fed up with this, we're going to speak lies to people that are willing to get up in front of the council, in front of the synagogue, and say, this man is lying. He's trying to corrupt what Moses has laid as far as the foundation of the laws we believe in. He's tr- He's trying to talk about the destruction of our temple, the way we worship, the things we believe. He's just completely a blasphemous individual, and he's going to do damage to what we believe in if he just keeps talking. So how many, you know, it's... You know, if, I don't know if anybody's ever watched Law and Order or if any of you have ever watched some of these criminal shows, but you know, there's always that person that gets up there and they give this false testimony and then they go back and they look at the evidence and it winds up not being true. And then that person's in prison, they get out of prison, and there's all this little crazy stuff that happens on some of these shows. These people, just like they did Jesus, were setting up false testimony against somebody that was pure, against somebody who had done no wrong, but they just didn't like what they were saying. Something we have to understand is is that when we live out our faith for Christ, when we accept that our mission on this earth is to love people to the point of being faithful to preaching God's word to them, even when we know they don't believe it, to people that do believe, the people that don't believe, the people that have never heard, we have to accept and give the results of what happens next to God. Can we, the question I, and if anybody wants to talk out loud or answer this out loud, can we ourselves save a soul? Do we have the power to save a soul? I mean, I know I don't. I mean, I I don't have that kind of power. But God has that power. When we have a garden and we want to water a plant, we can nourish it, we can give it everything it needs, but then it's up to... It's up to what the work we've put in. The Lord allows it to grow, right? We can water that plant. We can feed that plant. We can put it in good soil. But if the plant is going to grow, it's going to grow. If it's not going to grow, it's going to die, right? It's going to wither and it won't grow. In the same way, we have the ability, we've been given the charge to water the plant. We've been given the charge to put it in good soil. We have to preach the word. We have to talk about our faith. Don't be scared of our faith. To speak boldly about our faith. Live as Christ lived. Be an example. And when we do those things, even if we're just living our day-to-day life and loving life and living as Jesus would want us to live and we're making slow changes in our life that people can see, even if we're not up preaching on the street corner, if we're just living out life and we're loving the Lord in the grocery store or at work or at school, when we do that, we're watering the plant. We're putting the soil, we're laying the foundation and God makes that plant grow. He's the one that saves those souls, not us. And so... What Stephen is doing is he is preparing for God to do the work and being completely okay with whatever result comes from it. So Stephen was being bold. He was preaching. He was in the synagogue. They were they were disputing with him. He was still continuing because the Spirit led him to keep talking. He kept talking to the point of when they conspired against him, just like they conspired against Jesus. Now, when it talks about witness in the Scripture, there is a, it's, it kind of goes back to the, um I'm going to make sure I don't misspeak here, so when it talks about in scripture it talks about the Greek word um, Martis as what witness is referring to in the scripture, so when we talk about the word witness here, as Stephen was being a witness to these people. When they describe that word in, in the original text or in, in the Greek, what the word mardis really means was somebody that was someone that believed up to, to the point of, of death. So literally translated, when they talk about witness here, the word witness is translated from mardis and it's talking about someone that was a believer Someone that was a believer in Christ and was willing to share their faith up to the point of death. Specifically, this is what the word is used here. So when we're talking about Stephen's witness, Stephen is putting it all on the line. He is somebody that literally is willing to, to take it all the way that would put everything on the line for his faith. So in verse 11, as we continue on, then they secretly instigated. So we see that they have instigated, they have conspired against him and they're wanting to do something about it but as they're sitting there as they're hearing these false testimonies the synagogue the council they're looking at Stephen. and in verse 15 it says and gazing at him all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel um and in commentary that i read it's it said that Stephen almost had like a glow about himself it was almost like he had like this holy holy disposition about him. It's like because he was so pure at heart and because of his godly character, it's like almost like there was a slight glow to his face and that's what it was talking about. And kind of like Moses had the same glow whenever he had seen, when he had spoken with God in the burning bush, there was this glow that had come about about his face, his, his complexion, And this is something that they saw in Stephen. And so he was filled with the Spirit. He had godly character. He was living boldly. This was something that was spewing out of him. So when we skip over to verse 54, we're going to talk about the stoning. So actually moving in to what happens after this. So Stephen would go from the beginning of chapter 7 through verse 53 to give a speech to the synagogue, to the Sanhedrin, to the council that he was sitting before. And they, to sum it all up, he basically called them faithless, and they had always persecuted those that had done the work of God, and they continued to do it, they did it to Jesus, they did it to Joseph, you know, when Joseph was obedient to God, his brothers sold him and you know into slavery, and he wound up being sitting over Egypt and all these things he said. From the beginning of time, you people have been persecuting God's people. You've been persecuting those that had the faith to stand up and do what God called them to do, and you're religious, and you just you don't want to change. You just are not willing to change your ways in what you're doing. And so Stephen calls them out in that speech from verse one through verse 53, and we pick up in verse 54, and it says, "Now when they heard the things that were enra- when they heard these things, they were enraged. He had, he, had, he had proverbially slapped them in the face and told them that they were faithless and that they were persecuting the people that were doing God's work. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. So they were, I mean, they, were, they were mad. But he fooled the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. So at this point, Stephen's still talking. He's still following what God's wanting him to do. He's still filled with the Holy Spirit. He's still being obedient. At this point, he is seeing God and Jesus standing to his right hand. And I think at this point, you know, there's, this is not said in the Scripture. But at this point, you probably know if you're Stephen, you probably already know that something's about to happen. God's revealing something to you. He's preparing Stephen for what may occur in these next moments. And at the point, it says they had stopped their ears. So not at this point, they had been disputing with him. They had been arguing with Stephen. They couldn't find anything to to say that what Stephen was talking about was false, but they just didn't like it. And at this point, they had gotten to the point where they were so hard and their hearts were so hard and they were so angry that they had stopped from listening. They were no longer hearing the words that were coming out of Stephen's mouth. And, you know... When, when you get in life, when you get to the point of anger and you stop listening, it's almost like you're shutting the door to whatever that is in your life, fulfilling its work. You know, when we talk about people's hearts being hardened or people being so angry that they quit listening, I think of Pharaoh in, um, in the Old Testament when Moses came and was talking to Pharaoh. If we go use that example again. Moses was, he was begging Pharaoh to let the people go. He was begging to let the the Jews, the the Israelites go. He was begging for them to be set free and he wouldn't do it. And eventually his heart had hardened so much that any point of Pharaoh coming to that acknowledgement of the love of God was was cut off because it's hard it hardened. this is what was happening to these people. They had cut off. They had got so angry they had cut off their hearing. They were no longer listening to Stephen at this point. And in verse 57, But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. So I want to stop there not only do we need to seek godly character in our, in our ministry, not only do we need to live boldly in our lives for Christ, not only do we need to give the result to God and let Him do what He wants to do with these situations, but another thing, the fourth thing that I want us to see this morning that I think comes from the Scripture, is that living for Christ will lead to opposition. If we are living for the Lord like we're supposed to, and we allow the Spirit to continue to do that good work in us, it may not be a knockdown drag-out with somebody. It may not be you getting taken outside in front of the W and being stoned for talking about Jesus. It may not be someone cussing you out or anything of that nature. It may be the fact that someone just agrees to disagree with you and you've done what you're supposed to do. You presented the gospel. But it could be that extreme. You could get into some, to get on someone's nerves to the point where they get angry with you and they start saying ugly things to you. You could get to the point where someone walks away because they don't want to hear what you have to say anymore. You could get someone to the point where they start yelling at you. We don't know what will happen when we are faithful, but we know that no matter what happens, we should be faithful to preach and to talk about the love of Christ that is in us because He first did it for us and it's a hard thing because to live knowing that opposition will come is a little bit scary i mean if we're all being honest a lot of us like to live the low uh, a lot of us like to live on the road that is the least bumpy we always like to make sure that in our life We want the best for our family. We want the best for our kids. We want the best for our friends and our family. We want to go the least path of resistance in school. We want to go the least path of resistance in our job. We want to work to do the things that are going to cause success and happiness without having to hit as many of those bumps as possible. And when we say that we're going to take up our cross and follow Christ, when we give our lives to the Lord and we completely do that, The Lord says that there will be bumps along the road. He says that things are going to be hard. He never promises in the Bible that life is easy. But what he does promise is that he will be there with us through it. Just like he was there with Stephen, even in the midst of all this persecution, and, and even to the point where he was stoned for what he was talking about, for talking about his faith, for talking about the love of Christ, for talking about what Jesus had laid on his heart to say. So they stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments, and at the feet of the young man named Saul. And Saul, that we're talking about in this scripture, will be the man that will become Paul later on, but this is not that point. And as they were stoning Stephen, they called out, Lord Jesus, receive. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What does that sound like? Just a little bit there. What other point in scripture before this does that seem to parallel with? Jesus even asked the Lord for, Jesus himself, he even asked God to forgive them for they didn't know what they were doing on the cross before he died. Stephen, as he was being stoned, fell to his knees and asked for God not to hold this sin against them because they didn't know any better. How many times do we get mad? And we're like, you know what? Well, I tried. I tried to speak sense to this person. I tried to be nice to this person. I tried to be their friend. I tried to witness to them. I tried to bring them to church. But they just keep turning it down. So you know what? I'm just going to leave them be and I'm going to go on. I'm, just, I'm done. I'm done with it. I don't. I have met people through college that I became friends with that were not believers. And there came to a point to where there were some of these people that I met that they never once while I was with them went to church with me per se. I had one friend that was a non-believer um, that did go to church with me. He never. We we talked about Christ and and we we talked about things and and I laid it out there. And while me and him were close while I was in my master's degree program, I never got to see that turn into fruit. I never got to see that flower grow. I never got to see if he was going to give his life to Christ or not. But I continued to keep up with him periodically. And I was very close with him then. But, you know, sometimes in our ministry we don't get to see the fruits of our labor. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Sometimes God does that later on through somebody else. But he asks us to be faithful, as Stephen was being faithful here. And when we see that his obedience led him even up to the point of being stoned outside the city, instead of asking God or or cursing God or being like, God, why did you put me in this situation? like, Lord, why didn't you protect me from this? He just thanked the Lord. He praised the Lord, and he asked for God not to hold this against these people that were throwing rocks at him. And that's hard because it's easy to get angry when we face opposition. It's easy to get mad and to give up as a person. We're human. We have human nature. We're not perfect. And sometimes it's just easy to throw in the white, the white towel or the white flag and say, Lord, I just I can't handle this. How many of us have done it? I know I've done it. I know I've given up on a situation. I know I've not followed some things in my life through to completion. But Stephen did. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against me, uh, against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. So the Lord did bless him and put him to sleep there at the end. He put him to sleep as of the fact that while he was being stoned, he didn't feel the rest of the pain that would ensue until his death. So, In verse 1 through 3 in chapter 8, we're going to finish with this. And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, devout men, buried Stephen and made great limitations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and the injuring house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So we see that not only did it end there, it didn't end with Stephen, Saul, who was, had approved this stoning of Stephen, we see he kind of enters the scene at the end of this story. And Saul is this man who is, a, is he's this religious zealot who he makes it his mission to basically weed out all these people that follow Jesus. And we're going to see what happens from this point with Saul up to the point that he's converted into Paul. That's something that I'm sure James is going to get into later on um, in the in the near future. But one thing we see here is that the last point I want to make is that Stephen in his final breaths, in the final moments before Stephen died because he was being stoned, Stephen had peace in the suffering that he was going through. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it would be very, 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 very hard to find peace in being, had really heavy rocks thrown at you to the point that you passed on. That would just be, I don't see where any peace could come of that. I don't see if thinking any good thoughts. I mean, if someone threw, accidentally threw a pebble in me that was inside of a snowball in a snowball fight, I would probably get really mad if that rock hit me. You know, if, if somebody accidentally pops my face, I, and this is one thing Taylor knows, I don't like it when people like accidentally like smack my face. It's like one of those pet peeves of mine. I don't like being touched in the face in that way at all. Like, at all. And the fact that Stephen had found peace he had given it to the Lord, he had handed it over, and that God blessed him by putting him to sleep. It says a lot about his character. It says a lot about what he was willing to do. And I, I think if we're being honest, the church in America, can we say that we personally, and that if we say, if we look at the church as a whole in our country, are we willing to go to that extent for Christ? I can't say what anybody else would do. But when we look at the circumstances we're in, we're kind of in watered-down circumstances in America. We have a very easy, easy job compared to the Christians in some of the other parts of the world. you got to think about Christians in Ukraine right now, Christians in Europe, Christians in Asia, where in China, religion is pretty much outlawed altogether. Not just Christianity, but like they're going back to, to Maoism, where the only God in their eyes is government and power. I mean, think about Korea, over there in Korea. They have much different beliefs than we do. Um, You know, and I went, when I had, this is the last thing I want to say as I'm closing. I had the opportunity to go to China when I was finishing up my bachelor's degree at Mississippi State. And when I went over there, my whole life, I had grown up at BBS and had gone on mission trips and we had done all these things. And, you know, I had the chance to, Go to New Mexico before that, and we built like cabins for people to live in on the reservation. And we had built places to put their firewood and all this stuff. We talked to some of the Indians on the reservation. That was, was fun. And there wasn't really a lot of opposition. There was a lot of people that didn't necessarily believe, but there wasn't this opposition. When I got to go to China for two and a half weeks, whenever I was in college, we had to go and be very discreet about where we went and how we were seen, and how what we said out in public while we were there. Because even back then, things were very rough in, over there as far as Christian believers. I mean, they don't they don't want it there. Even in the churches that are there that are Christian churches, the Chinese government takes certain things out of the Bible and only allow the preachers to say certain things in what they say and in their churches. And so, when we were there, one thing that stood out in my mind was we went to worship with a house church that was in an apartment building on the sixth floor. It was, it, was up, it was about halfway up the building, probably a 13, 14 story building. And we went up there in this really old, nasty rundown like apartment complex. And we were in this room that was all like old tile flooring. There was no real decorations. It wasn't anything nice. And we were in this room with about 20 people, including us. And we had worship. They were singing in Chinese, so we had translating, like, tra- like, we had the translation of what they were singing so we could sing with them. And after the end of worship, we got together and we took the Lord's Supper like we're going to take today. And I didn't plan on telling this story, and I know we're taking the Lord's Supper today, so this wasn't really planned for this, but I got to thinking about this as, as, as we were going through our message today. And in that circle, There were people preparing themselves for the Lord's Supper, and they were crying. And we prayed for an hour before we took the Lord's Supper. It was just prayer, complete silence. It was just complete prayer and preparation. And when we took that, I had never seen so much joy but fear in people's eyes in my life as I had seen in their eyes. Because they knew that technically, at any moment, someone could come through that door and arrest them all for believing And we were there with them and we were there hoping that God would protect us from that same thing, being told we had to leave the country or being arrested or whatever the case may be. But we knew the risk when we went over there. But in some ways, as being a college student and and I was still learning, I was still maturing in my faith. um, Part of it was like, yeah, this is a cool Christmas vacation. I get to go to China. I get to eat Chinese food and go see the Great Wall and yada, yada, yada. But the truth of the matter was that people living out their faith in China looked a lot different than the way I had to live out my faith back here back home. And the way that Stephen had to live out his faith in this moment was a lot different than probably a lot of us see from day to day. But one thing I want to encourage you in, and as far as we talk about the gospel, as we talk about Matthew chapter 28, like we end on every week when we have a service, we talk about that charge we've been given to go out and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. God is faithful and he will bring us through these, these, these times. He brought Stephen through it. He, maybe not in the way we thought that he might would do so, but he did. He brought the apostles and the disciples through it as they faced face many trials. He would go on after Paul, was cons- converted from Saul to Paul. Paul would be in prison many times for his faith. He would preach. And he would continue doing so, living out his faith. And God calls us to do the same thing. Now, what does our faith being lived out look like here in America or here in Columbus or here in Mississippi look like compared to what some of these other people have had to go through? Maybe it doesn't look quite that severe. But do we believe in what Christ says in the Bible, what Jesus has done for us? Do we believe in what God says in His Word to the point that if we were faced in that situation, would we be willing to continue speaking about what we believe? If we had a friend or somebody we met at work or or church or, you know, out in public or wherever, and we knew that they weren't a believer, do we believe in what we believe in to the point that we would continue to talk about even if it was uncomfortable? You know, we've all, I have strayed away from instances where I knew God to put someone in my life to talk to them. I have went around it. I have messed up. I have chosen to opt out at times in my past. And we all have probably done it if we think about it. Maybe we didn't mean to do it, but maybe we've done it. Just like Peter did when Christ was arrested. I mean, he was gun ho and he ran, you know, at that point. But a lot of this rambling that I'm doing here at the end is just basically to ask the question and to give the encouragement that no matter what we face, God's going to be with us through it. He's going to give us the things to say. He's going to fill us up with the spirit of Um, We are his children. He's going to give us the tools that we need. And are we willing to live boldly today for our faith like Stephen lived boldly for his faith at this point in his life? So with that being said, um, uh, I just want us to end with that thought. Is What are we willing to do for our faith? Are we willing to be bold? Are we willing to love the Lord to the point of putting something on the line to talk about his love for others and to his love for us to other people. With that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, I just pray that as we've gone through the scripture today, I, I learned a lot in reading it, even though I've read it in the past, I learned a lot reading through it, preparing for this. Um, I pray that each and every one of you got something from it today, um, as complicated as some of the, the points are, even though we were a little bit scattered and skipped around through verses. Um, I just am thankful that God is faithful to us and I pray that as we go forward today that we would be faithful to Him. So let's pray and then um Mike is gonna come. God, Father and Heaven, Lord, we just thank you for another wonderful day. God, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for this time to hear your word. And we just had a lot to unpack this morning in your in your scripture. We talk about Stephen and his faithfulness, his boldness to go forth and to to, to speak about your love and your truths, even to the point of, of being stoned, Father. And We we may never face that type of resistance, Father, in our life, in our walk. But, Father, I pray that each and every one of us, including myself, um, would have that boldness and would grow in our faith to the point if that was ever presented in our life, we would do it. And, Father, I pray you would work on us because I know I have insecurities in my life. I know I have weaknesses in my faith. And, Father, I know that there are times that none of us, including myself, none of us in this room, always perfectly live out your calling. But Father, I pray that we would continue to grow. We would continue to love each other. We would continue to love you, Father. And we would continue to be bold and to grow in boldness in our faith. And it's in your holy and precious name I pray, Lord Jesus, amen.